Hi everyone. I hope you've all been doing well since we released our last episode. Thank you for joining us again for the next episode of our Stories of Wise podcast. Stories of Wise is brought to you by the Women in Science and Engineering chapter, also known as WISE, here at the University of Toronto. WISE seeks to empower marginalized groups in STEM and promote a supportive and inclusive environment that helps people achieve their full potential as future engineers, entrepreneurs, and scientists. Stories of WISE seeks to highlight and amplify diverse voices in STEM through different monthly themed interviews found on our Instagram and on our Medium pages. So for those of you new to the podcast, my name is Nicole, and I'm one of the Stories of WISE editors for this year and the co-host of this podcast. And my name is Waziha. I'm also one of the Stories of WISE editors this year and the co-host of this podcast. So this month, Stories of WISE reached out to various professors across the University of Toronto, spanning departments in the Faculty of Arts and Science and the Faculty of Applied Science and Engineering to hear their thoughts on the transition back to in-person learning. This September brought the long-awaited return of students and professors back to campus after the university switched to online learning back in March 2020. Stories of Wise wanted to highlight the professor's perspective on this transition back to the classroom because just like students, professors also experienced firsthand the impact the pandemic can have on learning. From navigating lectures on Zoom to hosting virtual office hours, professors organized courses that hosted hundreds of students while also struggling with the loss of human connection that so many of us craved this past year. Next up, Stories of Wise is so excited to welcome Professor Enright Jerger to today's episode. To begin with, can you please give us a short introduction of who you are, Professor, including the courses you've taught, your research focus, and any other involvements here at U of T? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to speak with you today. So I'm a professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Um, I've taught a range of courses in the computer engineering stream, and I've taught computer hardware courses, specifically second year courses on computer organization, digital logic and digital systems, as well as upper year courses on computer hardware and computer architecture. My research at U of T focuses on what's called computer architecture, which is the design and optimization of processors to improve performance, to reduce energy consumption, and to provide new capabilities for emerging applications. Thank you so much for that introduction. Now for our first question, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from teaching online that you're continuing to carry with you today now that we're all back in person? That's a great question. So when we taught online for the courses I was teaching last year, we prepared a number of videos in advance. And so we had a mixed mode where students would watch videos asynchronously and then come to a synchronous Zoom session to to review the material and to solve problems. And so one of the things that we really liked about that approach was having these pre-recorded videos available to the students, allowed students to really you know, digest the material, you know, at their own pace and when was best for them. That I think the ability to pause and replay and sort of take a minute to think about what was just said in the video is is really great. You know, with lecture, there's no opportunity to, you know, pause the professor and just think about what they've, they've just said. So, you know, I thought that was a really good opportunity. And then it freed up the in-lecture time to really look at solving example problems, applying the knowledge in the videos. And so I think it was, a, it was more engaging to go through a lot of different practice problems 
problems, lab exercises. And so we really thought that the students enjoyed that aspect of it and, and benefited from it. So this year in the courses I'm teaching, we've maintained this flipped or inverted classroom approach where students have some videos to watch in advance of lecture. And then the lectures really look at applying the, the videos, the knowledge from the videos, as well as taking up questions that students have. And students are having great questions. And I think that they're able to really engage with the material because they've had some time to process it before they show up to lecture. So, you know, I think it's really working very well. I think the challenge, you know, is potentially that students need more discipline to watch the videos, you know, on their own time. And also I think general screen fatigue that it's just exhausting to have been online for so long. And so maybe some of them are less excited about having videos to watch, but I think it's, it's been working well with our in-person format. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember my second year like calculus course had that flip format and I always thought it was really interesting and helpful. So I'm glad to see like other courses are starting to adapt it more now too. For our next question, you mentioned in our interview for our blog that the challenges returning back to campus brought on a personal level. Can you speak more to that and anything you've been doing to better help you cope this semester? Yeah, so that's that's another great question. You know, I think that like so many people, you know, I worked really hard over, you know, the first 18 months of the pandemic to, you know, reduce the contacts I had with people outside my household and, you know, stay stay safe. And so, you know, just sort of, you know, mentally or psychologically, it was a really big jump to go from I've spent the last 18 months, you know, seeing my partner and my child to now I'm going to be in a relatively small room with a hundred people, that it was just sort of mentally, I wasn't quite ready for that transition. I felt that being in a room with a small number of people, you know, some sort of middle ground, but we have large classes in, in the ECE program. And so there was really no kind of getting around it. So it was just sort of this kind of mental hurdle to get over and become comfortable. Um, I've been so impressed with, you know, how diligent the students have been about masking and respecting all of the, the protocols and guidelines and staying home when they're sick. And so I think everybody's just done a really good job. And then just trying to maintain, you know, some of the things that I did that got me through the pandemic as well, really focusing on trying to maintain good sleep habits and trying to maintain an exercise routine just to make sure that I was staying, you know, physically and mentally healthy. I think sleep, I think, is one of the biggest challenges for all of us. You know, stress and anxiety can disrupt sleep and students are really overwhelmed with, with workload, but I've been trying to maintain some of those good habits that I tried to have during the pandemic as well. Yeah, that's a great tip. And taking care of your mental health is super important. Like COVID's brought on a lot of stress for people and taking care of things like sleep and your mental health is super important. You said that there was a lot of kindness and understanding that like students and professors both had due to the stressful circumstances that people were facing during online school. And there was a lot of flexibility that people needed. Absolutely. So when I was preparing for last fall, I tried to sort of think about what kind of challenges the students might be facing and what would be some of their, their struggles. And I tried to be really mindful of that. I found that students were very open with me about their challenges. And so I got some insight into what was really hard for them about the pandemic. And so I felt I appreciated what they were going through more. Um, and that helped me be more understanding and, and really try and view the course holistically, looking at not just 
these assignments are due on these days and, and these are the tests, but really try and, you know, talk to students about study strategies. And I found that students were also just really very kind in return. When I think that when I expressed that, you know, I was having some difficulties, there was a time I had to teach when, you know, my daughter's class was, was dismissed because of, you know, because she wasn't feeling well or, you know, because someone was had COVID. And, you know, when I talked about those things, students were always super understanding and wanted me to be okay, just like I wanted them to be okay. And so I thought that was really great. Um, and I think that we're continuing to really be kind to each other. And I find that the students, you know, are just so happy to be together. You can see that they're just really happy to have that in-person interaction. I really appreciate that. And so I hope that as I go forward and as I think about how to structure my class and how to help students beyond the pandemic, I really want to be mindful that students do face, you know, myriad of challenges throughout their time in undergrad and remembering that they may face a variety of challenges. And so we have to be mindful of that. So, yeah, so I think that we'll be more understanding and I hope that by talking about the challenges that students have faced, I always try and talk at various points during the semester about mental health and mental health supports. You know, I hope that we're having a more open and honest conversation about these things. And I hope that students will be more willing to seek the support they need and that the university will continue to provide more resources. I think we've seen the university step up and provide you know, more support. And I want students to, to take advantage of that. So I hope that just by talking about the challenges, students will feel more comfortable expressing their concerns and, and seeking what, what they need. So I hope we'll see a shift to kind of a more caring environment as we go forward. Yeah, it's awesome to hear that despite the pandemic coming in and kind of dramatically shifting the way that people are experiencing university, it's awesome that it has brought forward like a much more humane aspect of the classroom and that everyone is trying to be more mindful and kinder to each other. And I think that was still like a really necessary change within like the educational landscape. So it's awesome that things have changed for the better in that sense. Um, shifting more to the idea of virtual learning. I'm an engineering student who had to do virtual labs and assignments all of last year. And I know you're teaching some engineering courses this semester. For a degree where hands-on application is crucial to learning, how do you think the curriculum's virtual format has been doing in ensuring students are still gaining the skills that they need to? Do you think it could be improved? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a super critical point. So I think that in computer engineering, you know, we have benefited from the fact that a number of the things that we do in lab can be fairly well replicated online. So we've allowed them to do the labs, they, they'll use simulation, you know, some of the labs are more software based, so they can be done online without needing a ton of equipment. But I do think there are a number of courses in, you know, in ECE as well as across, you know, various science and engineering that require, you know, hands-on experience, whether it's with particular equipment or it's with, you know, wet labs and, and reagents, things that are just difficult to replicate in a virtual setting. So as we think about that, you know, for those of us who teach the sort of pandemic cohort in person in upper years, that they'll have to fill in some of those sort of practical gaps where they make sure that students get more of a tutorial with the lab equipment in, in third or fourth year. 
in the ECE program, we have the, the capstone design project. And I think this is an opportunity for students to potentially structure projects to, you know, make up some of that hands-on aspect that they've lost with the support of their supervisor in the project. And so I think that there'll be a number of opportunities. I think it's just really important that the professors keep in mind, you know, what's been what's been missed and students may not have touched a certain piece of equipment, you know, if they were supposed to learn how to use something in like an oscilloscope or something in their first or second year, they may not have actually seen one of those until they get to third or fourth year. So there'll definitely be some gaps to make up. Um, and I think that we're all very mindful of that. We're all very committed to providing the highest quality degree experience despite the pandemic and to make sure that students who graduate during the pandemic and just after are just as excellent as the students who graduated before the pandemic. And so we have lots of hallway conversations and, and chats about the challenges students are facing in terms of a potential deficit in learning and how we can overcome those by restructuring some later year courses. So I think it'll take some work, but I do think it's top of mind for everybody. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I definitely have seen that a lot of, a lot of the students, they've sort of missed out on that in-person hands-on component. So it's great that you're dedicating the time towards improving those skills in the COVID-19 cohort of students who may not have had all of those experiences. So like, how has the pandemic affected the research in your lab in general? So graduate students have definitely, you know, been, been affected by this. I think that it's been a, a real challenge. I think one of the challenges I've seen is that roughly half of my graduate students are, are international students. So they're in this country, you know, potentially alone, all of their family is living in another country. And so I think, you know, that separation and sort of that isolation, the lack of a really strong local support system can be really challenging. You know, I know for me, I grew up in the United States, my family is still all in the United States. And the idea that it was very difficult to see them during the pandemic was really challenging. And so I appreciate that for my students, whose families are in China or Iran or Egypt, you know, it's got to be really stressful to, to worry about how they're doing and to know that it's really challenging to, to visit. And so I worried a lot about student, my students, particularly who were living alone and, you know, sort of that isolation and, and that lack of support system. And then just even more generally for the ones who, you know, have family in the area or who weren't living alone, I think that there was a huge hit in productivity from the working from home setup. I think that um, students really enjoy being in their lab, talking to each other. If they get stuck on a problem, they can just pop over to someone else's cubicle and, you know, talk it through. And that sort of casual interaction is really hard to replicate online. You know, you can't just pop by and chat with someone. And so I think everybody sort of expressed that they weren't as productive and, you know, they struggled to various degrees. And I think that's totally understandable. So I would say, you know, the research slowed down, um, but I think this, I was also really impressed with the resilience of my graduate students and, and how hard they, they continued to work and how committed they remain to, to their projects. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, this is a short sort of slowdown in their entire careers, but I know when you're anxious to graduate, it can feel like forever. Um, so I think that they've really gained back a lot of ground on their research, and I'm just really proud of how they've they've continued on. And we have been fortunate that we do everything 
pretty much with a computer and an internet connection. So they were able to work successfully from home, sort of from a technical or logistical standpoint. They didn't need access to specialized equipment, but definitely challenging. And I know they're all very glad to be back on campus. You know, I'm glad to be meeting with them in person again. It's just not the same to talk about research on Zoom. I think there's a lot, it's a lot more fun when we do it in person. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I'm glad everyone's like finally being able to meet each other in person. I'm sure that's an awesome experience for them. For our last question, something kind of unrelated to everything we've been talking about before, I came across your Twitter when looking for your contact information and saw that you were tweeting daily thoughts throughout the pandemic. I think the last time I checked, you were on day 601. So I found it to be a really honest and relatable look into how we're all feeling with the pandemic still being very real and things opening up again. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start those tweets and what motivates you to continue writing them? Yeah, so thanks for asking. So I think I started because for the elementary schools, when, when they shut down in March 2020, the government said this is going to be a, a three-week shutdown and then, you know, everything will be fine. And so I thought that sort of documenting it day by day on Twitter would be a way for me to track, you know, how long I was home with my then four-year-old and sort of how long this went on. And I remember just before the, the pandemic really hit in Canada, I was at a meeting and someone was on the phone for this meeting who was in, in China. And he mentioned that he had been at home with his wife and his daughter for, I think, 76 days. And I thought, God, that's a long time at home. And so I was sort of thinking of that when I started as well. I was like, I wonder how long we'll be at home for. And so kind of kept up with that. Um, and then it was also just, I think, a way for me to sort of put my thoughts or my feelings out in the world. There were days when the only people I spoke to were, you know, my child and, and my partner. And so, you know, it sort of felt very isolated and very cut off as someone who's used to interacting on a daily basis with 100 plus students. It just felt like I wasn't saying anything. And so I kind of used that to, to document and I think I also just really wanted to be open and transparent about the challenges. I think that, you know, as, as a mother and as, as an engineer, I think that there were a lot of challenges that fell on, you know, parents and particularly on women that, you know, somehow we were supposed to do all the childcare, do all the homeschooling and still do all of the science and engineering. And I wanted to put my thoughts out there to make sure that people realized just how hard it was and just how unsustainable it was to, to try and do world-class engineering research, be, be an educator, you know, somehow teach my daughter kindergarten, which is way harder than I would have thought it would be and all the things. And so it was just useful to kind of put it out there. And now I'm sort of, I'm still tracking. I don't do it quite as frequently as I did. Someone asked me recently, you know, when I was going to stop, you know, would, would I stop when we returned in person and which would have been back in, in September. And I think I'm going to keep going until life feels normal again. You know, I don't know when we'll get back to some sort of normal, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're still in the pandemic. I think that some people maybe have shifted to this sort of post-pandemic mindset, but I don't think we're there. I think that, you know, as long as there are still concerns about, you know, outbreaks in, in schools and, you know, the, as long as there's still high case counts, I think it's still ongoing. So I'm going to keep tracking it and we'll see, you know, where we end up. But I am really hopeful that we will be 
I, I'm hoping that I'll stop counting soon. I'm hoping that it's almost over. <laughs> Agreed. And I'm sure that it helped to make others feel less alone when coping with all of those challenges that you mentioned. And like you said, the pandemic isn't quite over. And even though a lot of things are opening up again, we're seeing that there's still concerns surrounding COVID. So it's, you know, still a part of our daily life. And yeah, it's great that you were doing that. Thank you. So Professor Anna Joyer, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. And I'm really happy to, to participate. I think what you're doing is, is really great. So thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, make sure to check out our Medium article and Instagram posts at the handle at Stories of Wise that highlight all of our October features for the month, including our interview with Professor Enright Jurger. See you next time.